the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Whether you're a veteran voice actor, just starting out, or don't even know how to set a level, we're here to help you avoid the pitfalls along your voiceover path to success. The VO Meter is brought to you by Voice Actor Websites, Voice123, Studio Bricks, Global Voice Acting Academy, JMC Demos, and Sennheiser. The Video Meter is produced in part using Source Connect, made by source-elements.com. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 97 of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. So on this episode, we'll be interviewing voice actor, content creator, and social media influencer, Tani Plattis. But before that, it's time to check in with our VO Meter reference levels. VoiceOver Extra brings you the VO Meter reference levels. Uh, seriously, guys, that's the best you could come up with? Hey, it's your show. All right, so Sean, I have an exciting announcement, actually, but uh, first, why don't you tell us what's happening in your VO world? Cool, will do. Well, um, first, a few things about GVAA. We just wrapped up our Memorial Day membership sale, of which I'm a manager of. We got 30 new members, so I'm really stoked about that. Whoa, that's pretty, that's it. Sounds like a lot. Yeah, it is, it is. Pushing 200 members now, and really happy about that. And now I'm kind of scrambling to create more coach-led workouts for our members to make sure everyone gets Mm. theirs. But uh, so really happy about that. Um, we actually have another webinar coming up tomorrow, which you might miss the live event of, but it's Psychology of the Home Audition with everybody's favorite narrator, Tom Pinto. So very excited about that. And like I said, the live event is going on tomorrow, but you can catch the recording if you're interested. Uh, it's usually uploaded within a couple days. So probably when this episode comes out. Um, other than that, me personally, I just got cast for an audio drama, which I'm really excited about, called March to the Capital. It's kind of a dystopian fantasy steampunk type. Sounds like uh, real life right now, though. Oh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> March to the Capital. <laughs> Old news, but still news. Um, but yeah, so I have that. I play about half a dozen different characters that, that pop up throughout the uh, the production. And so very happy about that. I love audio dramas because you get to work with a cast. I actually had a directed session the other day to make sure that the director got everything they want. And it's just, it's just so nice. It's so nice not having to worry about guesswork or back and forth for making sure people get what they want. And it was lovely. So, uh, so that happened. And then, um, other than that, I'm just doing my, working with my usual e-learning clients, did a fun, warranty medical narration boy that does sound fun yeah right it was like a 10 minute thing about the various reasons why you need to learn the software and and make sure that you evade liability when trying to get warranty on defective medical devices so there is that and then funny story i worked with another e-learning company uh in february and I, I love working with this company. They usually pay me very quickly, and they're very easy to work with. And then, for some reason, the they just hadn't paid me for, like, over 100 days. And I had sent a few regular reminders to their financial guy. And then, finally, I was like, I went above him and went to the project coordinator. I was like, yo, I love working with your company, but I can't do that again until this is resolved. And he's like, oh, my God, we'll take care of that immediately. And they did. Like a day or two later, I got paid. So it was great. Oh, that's good. So it's really nice when it's an honest mistake like that. 
Yeah, and that doesn't always happen that way. Yeah, right. No, no. I just I just put up a little fuss and they and they listened. So that was great. So what about you? What's this big announcement? Well, first, I'll I'll, I'll bury the lead a little bit. Uh, I just finished today actually wrapping production on an audiobook for Twin Flame Studios with an author named Robin Pasco and the book's called The Carry-On Imperative Stories from a Life Well Lived. I did not know this author before I started, but you might, because she's from your neck of the woods, at least continentally. She's from Vancouver, British Columbia. Yeah. And uh, she was a Canadian uh, media personality for a while and writer. And it's all about her her life, writing about expat living, um, because she, in her early years, had traveled with her husband on assignment and created this whole career for herself writing about it as the spouse of a foreign dignitary and how uh, and how to adjust as as your family is jettisoned across various countries for months and years on end so pretty fascinating because uh i don't know anything about that lifestyle i know you do a little bit and uh i learned a lot no definitely i mean i worked abroad for for about four or five years i mean i grew up in okinawa for for another five years so definitely and and i i love to travel and i love travelogues so i'm really happy for you yeah you might want to take a listen to this when it comes out it, it, we just wrapped production today and uh we'll get it out on all the channels probably in two to three weeks so i'll let you know when, it, when it's published sounds great man happy to support and then secondly, uh, I did some more minor league baseball games, which is always fun for me. This, this would be my second, third, and fourth. I did a whole series this time for the Aberdeen Ironbirds, and that was a lot of fun. And the last one, I got my son's travel baseball team to go out and, and participate in it as well. I should say one of the parents uh, actually organized it. So thanks, Jessica, for organizing the outing. We had almost 30 people there in the stands, so I was in the booth. I could look down and see all the little kids in their uniforms cheering and getting autographs and jumping up and down. And then some of them even got to participate with some of the games and activities they do, activities they do on the field. So that was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I always like doing baseball. And then finally, this big announcement I was talking about is that I am now an official member of the team for George the Dot Tech. So this is George Widom's uh, service for setting up studios and tweaking spaces and troubleshooting for voice actors. George has been an inspiration to me and I often say he and Dan Leonard on the show VOBS taught me everything I know other than the bachelor degree I already had. But <laughs> I'm now proud to say I'm a member of the team so if you have an issue that my expertise could use you might find me on the other end of a Zoom call or phone call trying to troubleshoot your issues for George the Tech. Very cool. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, at least seeing how I can contribute to the fine work that I know George has always done, and I'll be excited to be a part of it. It'll be a welcome addition. So that's it for VO Meter Reference Levels. We'll have our talk with Tawny Plattis in just a minute, right after our... Questionable Gear Purchase. So I don't really have any questionable gear purchases, nor has anyone sent me anything this this week. Hint, hint. Manufacturers, give me something to talk about. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But yeah. uh, Sean, I understand you want to talk about the uh, Worldwide Developer Conference from Apple, right? That's right. Uh, the Worldwide Developer Conference, also known as WWDC, is Apple's summer event 
one that they don't always do a live event for, depending on what kind of offerings they have. But they did have a couple of interesting products this year. They finally released the Mac Pro, which I know a lot of people have been waiting for. Um, Apple has advertised that they were going to wrap up their M1 silicon transition long before this point. But of course, with the pandemic and other delays, that got pushed back. Anyway, so the Mac Pro is out. And for most of us, we don't need to spend $7,500 on a desktop machine anymore, thank God. But for people who know they need a Mac Pro, that option is now available. But some things that do look really interesting are the M2 uh, 15-inch MacBook Air. I know I'm I'm currently using the, the prior generation, the M1 MacBook Air. It's 13 inches. It's incredibly powerful and fast, and, and it's wonderful, but... As I get older, that 13-inch screen is definitely getting uh, a little tiresome on the eyes. So it's be really attractive to have a machine that's as light and as fast and perfect for my needs, but just a little bit bigger, but not breaching that $2,000 price point of some of their pro machines. Very excited about that, very tempted by that. And then, of course, they have the latest versions of, of the Mac Mini Pro and the Mac Studio. So... If you're a voice actor looking at a new MacBook or a new Mac desktop computer, now is a wonderful time just picking some of the base models, some of the less expensive ones, and still getting the power and performance that will last you for several years. So it truly is a, a spoil of riches right now. Yeah, so if you're in the market for a new machine and you try it out, you can be like uh, Stephen George from our last episode. Give us a call or drop us a, a line and we'll get you on the show talking about the new machines and how they're working for your VO business. Please do. Let us live vicariously through your questionable gear purchases. So not much on the questionable gear purchase front this month, which is this is fine by me and my wallet for a change. But uh, there is one more topic I want to talk about since we have some time, and that is our partnership with Voice123. Now we're shifting gears a bit, where we're no longer going to be offering that 15% discount on new memberships, but we are still providing... Um, some discount, and that uh, will be determined in the next couple of weeks. But if you go to our sponsors page, there will be a link. It is an affiliate link, full disclosure. So if you click on that, um, we'd appreciate it because it'll tell Voice123 that it came from us. So it's vometer.com slash sponsors, and there'll be a link there for Voice123 on the sponsors page. But with the uh, partnership shifting a bit, I want to talk about my experience over the past year as a member of the uh, Platinum level. It's the $2,200 level, basically. So I'll be coming up on a year of that membership in July, on July 1st. And I want to share some of my stats, which unfortunately are not great. I, I want to say that I enjoyed the time, and I did have a couple of bookings. Looks like three or four total over the year, which is not a very high number, especially at that membership level. I had, uh, and that's out of... 1,166 proposals sent, which may be one of the reasons, because my profile has been hovering around the 20% actor, uh, 20% of all voice actors range, which is also on the lower end. So I think it can drop as low as 10, and it can obviously go much higher, but I've hovered around that bottom 20% almost the entire year. I had uh, 17 likes from clients, and uh... Let's see, one, two, five clients who favorited me. So as you might know from the algorithm, those are the things that kind of drive where you land in that percentile rankings for voice actors, the amount of liked proposals being key, and then bookings. 
And because both of those are fairly low for me, I've remained in that 20 percentile of, of ranked actors. So unfortunately, the, that level of membership has not been great for me. And your mileage may vary, obviously, but for me, I'd have to say um, it was a bit of a bit of a, a downer that that's all I was able to reap from the from the membership. Yeah, it's unfortunate. For some, online casting can seem like a necessary evil, but unless you have a deep, it like what I've been hearing from a number of people is like unless you have can afford like say a mid tier or higher membership, it might not be the best use of your money. So. You guys know auditioning is the job and being able to create the highest volume of auditions and other casting opportunities is how you're successful. But as you're looking at your options, you really have to assess, do you can you afford to spend 500 to 2200 a year on something that could be a gamble? Yeah, I would say you probably have to make sure you have all your ducks in a row with regard to what you should audition for, what your wheelhouse or what your niche really is. I think I might have scattershot it a little too much. I think that's one of the things that probably brought my level down, is that especially in the in the beginning of this run on the, the $2,200 level, I was submitting to everything. And I did narrow it down after that, but I think it might have been too late because the algorithm had already picked up that I was way too generous with my auditioning. So <laughs> what I've heard from everybody is that you need to really have a laser focus on what fits you perfectly, what you're good at, and also know what you're not good at, what doesn't fit you perfectly. So I'm, I'm getting better at that, and uh, I'll probably stay with some level of membership and be more laser-focused on what to audition for. Yeah, and that's just an important reminder. I see a lot of people getting into voice acting because of, they're like, ah, oh, I can be anyone, and I can do anything. And like you said, it's important to know your types, know what you're going to have the highest chance of success with, and not... Like, just making it as easy as possible for potential casters to cast you. Yeah. On the plus side, I will say that over the year, I've noticed a huge increase in castings on Voice123 being specific about what they want. And that wasn't always the case, because I've been a member of some sort for almost eight years, or seven, seven and a half years. And I have seen specific requirements, both for ethnicity, um, background, age... And sometimes it was a little more vague, but I'm looking at one right now where uh, they mention both uh, British, Canadian, or American accent, hmm. and that's pretty vague because right. <laughs> it doesn't really narrow it down. Also, male or female, so that's not very helpful, which is why I actually passed on this one because it's not specific. But I will see, uh, like I said, much more examples on Voice One Two Three of people specifying age, uh, heritage, religion, sometimes gender or lack thereof, um, sexual orientation, all those things are mentioned in the specs, whereas that was pretty much unheard of five years ago. So kudos to the people that are casting on Voice123 because they seem to be getting it a lot more. But that just means you have to be more specific. So know, know where you fit within all those, within that diaspora of, of categories and know where you should be auditioning. Yeah, this isn't a place to find your niche. You know your niche and then market to it. All right. So that QGP took an interesting turn, but it's a good question to ask nonetheless. It's a, it's a potential investment for Venny voice talent and one they should think about seriously. But let's lighten things up a bit with the interview portion coming up right after these messages. In these modern times, every business needs a website. When you need a website for your voice acting business, there's only one place to go. Like the name says, voiceactorwebsites.com. 
Their experience in this niche webmaster market gives them the ability to quickly and easily get you from concept to live online in a much shorter time. When you contact voiceactorwebsites.com, their team of experts and designers really get to know you and what your needs are. They work with you to highlight what you do. Then they create an easily navigable website for your potential clients to get the big picture of who you are and how your voice is the one for them. Plus, voiceactorwebsites.com has other great resources like their practice script library and other resources to help your voiceover career flourish. Don't try it yourself. Go with the pros. Voiceactorwebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what. Hey, Paul. Did you know Voice123, the largest online marketplace for voice actors, just celebrated its 20th year anniversary? Whoa, really? That's amazing. Doesn't really surprise me, though. I've used Voice123 since the beginning of my career. I remember way back in my first year where I booked a job as a hypnotist. I actually got to say, you are getting very sleepy on a radio ad. The whole thing was super easy. They even paid me right away for the audition and said that was all they needed. I've been a member of Voice123 for years as well. I've always enjoyed their upfront policies, ability to contact clients directly, and their commitment to the voiceover industry. Totally. CEO Rolf Veldman has appeared on the show before, and in every interaction I've had with him and the company, I've felt a sense of trust, like they really care. Well, if you want a great place to find your VO niche and find yourself as a voice actor, visit voice123.com for more information. Now, VO Meter listeners can also get 15% off premium tier memberships. For more information, visit our website and click on the Click Here to Save 15% banner on our sponsors page. Voice123, speak for yourself. Walgreens, because it's flu season, and you live in a place with doorknobs and handrails and, you know, people. We tried booking a vacation rental on one of those other websites. They don't always tell you everything. The stars take it to the red carpet. We are back live from the red carpet. California leads the way for change in America, and so does Kamala Harris. Rated M for Mature. Claire Redfield. And who exactly are you? So, yeah, what hashtag should I use to describe a grown man in a tuxedo wrestling a goat? And prior to 1933, many of them belonged to a variety of political parties that were now outlawed in Germany. This is the story of how Q got curly. Quinn was crazy about curls. Curly fries, curly straws, curly-haired dogs. Hey, Jay Michael here. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter Podcast. It's one of my favorites. If you're looking for a great demo like the ones you just heard, check out jmcdemos.com for more information. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the interview portion of this episode of the VO Meter. Today, we're pleased to welcome Tawny Plattis to the show. Now, Tawny is the current voice behind Marks and Landers eLearning and has provided voiceover services for clients like Genshin Impact, Hewlett Packard, Harvest Snaps, Dream Games, the G Fullness Meditation app, the Iris Dating app, WIBC, TPI Careers, the Runtastic Fitness app, the Study Loft, Similac, Sarah Technologies, Sawyer Products, the San Joaquin River Association, USA Today best selling authors Anna Applegate and Angela Sanders, Natalie Simons, Matt Larkin, and more. Tawny is represented by talent agency AB Squared. So, welcome to the show, Tawny. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. It's our pleasure, Tani. So, first question, 
Your website and bio describe you as both a voice actor and content creator. So can you tell us how you got started in VO and what it means to you to be a content creator? So I got my start as an actor when I was an infant. I do not remember my first roles. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my first gig was doing something for like a commercial for some kind of baby blankets. If I'm if I got that right, I'd have to have to get in touch with my parents. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I started really, really young and I got my first voiceover gig when I was about six years old. I did um, a couple of local spots on some radio commercials here in San Diego. So I've been I've been working uh, for just about 32 years uh, as an actor, like, you know, through various stages of childhood and like doing other jobs. And the content creator aspect, when did that start? And tell us what that means, because I'm not sure I've heard another voice person or VO person put that on their website. Oh, wow. Uh, so for content creator, that means I make videos on TikTok and Instagram. So if you're familiar with like Stefan Johnson, for instance, I do very similar stuff to that in the sense of like I make funny videos. Um, my particular topic that I focus on is very much voiceover. So I make funny and educational videos about anything in entertainment that has voiceover, which means I will I'll poke a little fun at like corporate training videos, uh, commercials and just like tropes that I see in animation and video games. So is that mostly to promote your voiceover career or is it something that has sort of become its own animal and has taken up more of your time? I think I think it's both because I get probably more gigs than I have ever gotten from anywhere <laughs> just from social media at this point in my career. And it's also its own thing as well. It's kind of equal, I would say, with voice acting right now. I, I have very much like divide my time in half every day between the two, which is really fun. It's it's kind of a dream right now. Very cool. In addition to the content creator work, what are, what are your primary VO genres? For voiceover, I really found my niche in like corporate and e-learning, specifically in California. Marks and Landers was where I got my start. And then after that, it just kind of snowballed. So, you know, I, I know a lot of voice actors can probably relate to this. Like you get in with one person and they recommend you to another person in their field. You, you put that on your list, you find, you know, on your resume and you find that that is kind of just where you have a lot of success. So I'm still really in corporate e-learning and then um, commercial as well. I do a lot of commercial work. So you mentioned you started very young and you probably don't remember it being a challenge, but once you started out on your own and trying to fully launch or launch your full-time voiceover career, what was your biggest challenge? Yeah, I think the, the biggest challenge was I owned a retail store. I, I started a retail store when I was 18. I was uh, in my senior year of high school, and my family was like, you know, acting is kind of like not the most stable choice. <laughs> you might want to have something else to supplement that. So um, I actually owned a retail store in San Diego from 18 to about 25, 26 years old. And I was running that, and it was very successful. I was making a living off of that, and I was still doing um, theater, modeling, and then voiceover um, part-time. So that was exhausting. <laughs> I don't recommend it. I uh, I burnt out really, really hard. I feel like even today I'm, I'm still <laughs> recovering from that. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't feel like I should be this tired at 32. <laughs> 
No, I feel that. I was like, I've I've yeah. experienced major burnout at least three or four times in my overall career, I'd say. <laughs> yes, <laughs> not, you not, get it. Most people in, in this industry don't come to it uh, right out of the shot right out of the gate and land with an agency and be a success. Everybody has some sort of grind they're working on before they come here for the most part. And yeah, I guess the retail store was that for you. Well, yeah. I'm sure that entrepreneurial experience helped quite a bit. I think that is the biggest reason I'm successful, to be honest. Like, I, I feel like this is a really, you know, I, I want to acknowledge I'm super privileged having, like, basically been born into acting. You know, I, I don't remember a time in my life where I wasn't working. So there was that acting experience. And then, you know, but getting into retail at 18 and learning how to do customer service, how to manage a business, all, all of the ins and outs of that, being able to apply that to voice acting and voice voiceover I don't think anything would have prepared me as much as that. I, I really feel like I got just so lucky and I'm so fortunate that it was kind of that perfect storm to be successful in this field. Yeah, absolutely. I often point to my time as an insurance salesman where I was yeah. making cold calls. And I told the story before, but I, they would make us in our office dial 100 people. This is before there was do not call laws back in the early 90s. So we had to make 100 phone calls to people's homes and bother them at dinner or while they were trying to take their kids to baseball practice before we could leave the office, 100 calls. So after that, calling people to talk about myself and voiceover was like fish in a barrel. Oh, completely. I, I've said the same thing when, when people come to me and they're like, I want to be a voice actor. How do I, you know, how do I get to do that? Um, I, I tell them, I'm like, well, I, ho I hope you have a sales background. I hope you're good at sales. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and I know this was something that I had to learn, too, and adjust my thinking on is because a lot of people get into VO because it looks like such a fun career and it's such an unconventional form of work. But like you said, there's still like all the standard sales and marketing practices for other businesses apply to yourself. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what trips people up really more than anything is like they, they think it's it's just, and it is, it's super fun. It's super, super fun. But they they don't understand that I would say a lot of what we're doing for most of us is the business side of things. Like the voiceover side is is pretty, you know, like you, it doesn't take a long time. You go in, you record your bit. It's like the whole running the business, marketing the business, auditioning, reaching out and doing the client part. And they're like, wait, what? That's that's, that's a big part of the job. I don't like that. <laughs> so as you said, the biggest challenge was kind of avoiding burnout and, and kind of implementing your marketing to to this business. But what do you find is your biggest challenge nowadays? Well, t this is a great problem to have um, being overworked, I would say, like, and getting everything all done. There are, I, I've had to talk to like my mentors about it and on several occasions very recently at that, where I'm like, I don't have enough hours in the day. Like if I didn't sleep, if I didn't need to sleep, I couldn't get everything done I need to do in the day. Like how, how do I make this work? You know, like I, I need like 32 hours in the day and I need to not sleep. How do, <laughs> how do I do that? You know, and my, my mentors have been like, oh, you can't, honey, you know, like you, you just can't. You have to say no to some things. And that's been really tough for me. And I think that this is probably super relatable as freelancers. It's scary to say no. You know, you don't know when that next job's going to come along and you can be like riding high for a few months. But then you have a tough week. You start questioning everything. So I think getting everything done and then figuring out how to balance has has been the greatest challenge to really address at this point in my career. 
And, and I noticed that psychologically, a lot of actors and voice actors tend to be people pleasers. So it'd be really yes. it's difficult to say no and risk disappointment. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. I'm such a people pleaser. It, it weighs on me and it breaks my heart if like somebody's not just over the moon. I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a tough lesson sometimes. Also, as, a, as an entrepreneur, you never want to turn it off. But by the same token, you have to recharge every once in a while. Otherwise, you're no you're of no use to anybody, including yourself. Right. Yeah. That that what you're saying is true. Now I just need to accept that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Right. Easier said than done. <laughs> Believe me. I, I know you're right. the logic and reason of your argument, but <laughs> Well, I think you and Sean are, are relatively close to the same age, but I'm a lot older, so I can tell you once you uh once you hit close to fifty, then the body just takes over and says, Nope, we're not doing that. You need a nap right now. <laughs> You are not the first person who's told me that, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, so shifting gears a little bit, in addition to, to VO and content creation online, you actually do stand-up comedy as well, and you cover some dark material. How did that come about, and how did audiences receive that? Yeah, I uh, I had a comedy podcast with my, my late husband, and we had contracts, and then um, he very rudely died on me. And I was like, this is our part of our job. This is like a significant source of income for us. And I have these contracts. I don't really want to do our show anymore. But also, you know, I have to produce something. And one of the ways that we we coped, he was terminally ill. One of the ways that we coped with everything, it was one of the things that actually brought us together was like just addressing things with humor. So just bringing some relief to whatever it was we were dealing with not running away from it, but really facing it head on with laughter is something that really made the pain bearable for for both of us, you know, in, in those unique ways as somebody who was like there as a caretaker and then as somebody who was terminally ill. And um, that really is kind of what kicked off everything was just making jokes about it because I had to. <laughs> I had to continue that show and I just couldn't shut up about it, you know, about like the grief and everything. And then I started doing stand up and a lot of people hated it, but a lot of people really loved it. And it's actually the thing that really kicked off my content creation career was I was making these videos on TikTok and Instagram about being a widow and about all of the absurdity that comes with it. Because it is absurd. Like, being widowed at 28 is absurd. And I think that that is the cornerstone of comedy is absurdity. So there's there's actually a lot of humor in that. And I have found that using humor to really shine a light on things and to talk about it as opposed to running away from it has been something that has really helped me just, like, continue to exist and deal with things and then move past them and be able to live with them and still have, like, a life that is worth living. Your original title for one of the shows was Death is Hilarious, right? It was, yeah. That was the name of the podcast that I produced up until almost about a year ago is when I, I stopped producing it. Have you had people sort of miss it and complain that it's not still going? Oh, yeah. I uh, When I was done with it, I got a lot of that from people. A lot of people were very, very offended that I was done talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Which was bizarre. He'll be to me. damned. I want my show. <laughs> yeah. So obviously there is an audience for it. There oh, there was an audience for it. Absolutely. It was it was something that um was going great. I just I, you know, to be really frank, I was starting to dread it 
just there there were these months and I kept thinking, oh, I just must be in a funk. I need to make some adjustments. And then for months, I was like, I, I'm just done talking about it. And now I don't want to. And so every time I feel like I'm obligated to do it because other people are are depending on it, I I just feel so cruddy. And I, I was just done talking about it. And I think that as somebody who has been very privileged to be able to talk about it and has been very privileged to have access to such incredible grief therapy, I kind of had come to that realization and I'm in that spot right now where I'm like, things just end. That's kind of part of life. That's part of the human experience is that there is very much an end to everything. And I was just done. I was like, I, I have said everything I wanted to say. I, I don't really want to talk about it to this great length every single day. I want to start talking about other stuff. And I I was just done. And a lot of people did not want me to be done. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they, they got to benefit from like the catharsis and the entertainment. And, and a lot of audiences don't understand the the emotional investment that can come from a passion project like that. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that that was definitely a part of it. And I think that that is kind of part of being human, ideally, is that you grow. And I I was just, I, I had handled it. You know, I was like, I've handled it. And I was getting a lot of feedback from people, too, that were like, you just don't really seem sad about it anymore. Uh, you know, like, it seems like you're, you're over suffering it. suffering like, enough for your art, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've accepted it. You know, I was just like, I, I've accepted it. It is what it is. It sucks, but I've dealt with it. And I just like, I don't know what else to say. And it was kind of getting to that point where I'm like, these people want content that's going to be disingenuous. And I don't think that's ethical. And everything runs its course. For instance, I actually asked you to do this podcast, I think almost two years ago, and it just wasn't the right time. It was it was too fresh, it was too raw, and I knew that, but I wanted to at least let you know that we were thinking about you and we'd love to have you on when the time was right, and that's now. Oh, that's so cool. It's so fun, too, because like I was just telling my um, my creative partner about this. I was like, I started following Sean Daly when I was like in my early 20s. And like he was one of the reasons I was like, I think I could do voiceover full time. And now I'm going to be on his podcast. It's just such a big milestone. <laughs> Honestly, that tickles me every time because like after you took off, I started following you. And like this girl's got a great head on her shoulder. She's up. Go, Tony, go. Just like on the <laughs> sidelines, you know. So so it's awesome. Like uh, oh, iron I truly that. sharpens iron. But please, Tawny, you were going to sing my praises for me. <laughs> <laughs> I will always. <laughs> I, I refer people to you constantly. I'm like, Sean's one of the guys to watch. <laughs> Thank you so much. Greatly appreciated. So <laughs> like everybody recently, it seems, you have addressed the coming AI apocalypse in some of your content creation and in just general discussions on social media. Where do you see AI affecting entertainment in the future, specifically for what you're doing now? Yeah, I I think that we're already seeing the effects. I know I am in the rates. <laughs> I'm seeing mm-hmm. it in the jobs as well. There is kind of this, which is scary for us, of course. Like I'm seeing this kind of um, attitude that it's like, oh, AI voiceover is good enough for a lot of these jobs. And our listeners, they don't really care, you know, that it's not pristine. Um, I think that what we do specifically is going to be artisanal in the sense of really like clothing, like artificial intelligence. AI is going to be like the T-shirt you get at Target for seven dollars that will fall apart after a couple of washes. The fast fashion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Doesn't fit great. 
but it's cost efficient. And what we do is going to be like hot couture. <laughs> so you you know how people still do go to designers for like a custom tailored suit. We will still exist. I don't think we're going to be something that's going to be demand in demand for everyone. We're going to be in demand for a certain particular audience. And I think that what's going to set us apart is having a presence on social media, being the brand yourself that you can and being able to bring an audience to a product. Like, that's why I get hired now. I get hired for things simply because I have the name recognition. I'm the funny corporate verse lady. I'm the person that does the top five lists, the anime personality lists on TikTok and Instagram. That's what I get hired for now. And those jobs are rivaling and now surpassing voiceover rates. And I can get a bigger fee just from that name recognition for the voiceover jobs. So I think that, like, it's going to be something that's essential moving forward in in this technological landscape because it, it's not going to go anywhere. I think that's something that we've seen over the course of human history is, like, <laughs> we're not going to prioritize humanity. We're going to prioritize that's the bottom probably, line. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and that's actually something we've talked about in some of our um, Global Voice Acting Academy discussions is, like, be the best actor you can and get comfortable being in front of the camera, too, because while they're trying to replace a whole person, like you still can't yet. And people want to work with people. Yeah, we still do like the human connection. I will say that like people do like AI for a lot of stuff. There is still something to be said about like, I like that person, the human mm -hmm. connection part, which is why I think people should start streaming. They should start really being in front of the camera and being a likable presence, finding that niche and building a community. I think you have to do that. It's going to vary. It's going, we're just what we're going to do is going to be very much just entertainers. Yeah, that makes sense. So along those lines, you've sort of reached the, the holy grail for some voiceover people and a lot of kids, frankly. My, this is what my teenagers want to do with their lives. You become an influencer, quote unquote. <laughs> so what are some of the biggest challenges in, in making that happen? Um, you know, I, I think this is probably just something a lot of people don't want to hear, but there you have to be able to do everything and you can do everything right. And there is still like a luck component in there. And that's very challenging, I, I think, to accept for a lot of people. It's like you can have great content. You can be really pretty. Um, you can have all the stuff there, the really good equipment. And there's still like a luck component to, to being able to like be an influencer. That's That part is like really challenging. Um, some of the challenging things that come along with like being in that position once you've like, you know, got to it as having like, um, you know, what do I have, like 300,000 followers across like all the platforms mm -hmm. is like the parasocial relationships that people form has been really scary. I, I've had some like safety concerns here and there. People get very, very attached, mm -hmm. um, which has been really freaky. And um, and just quickly, if you wouldn't mind defining what a parasocial relationship is for anyone who might not know. Sure. So that means that like they the the audience some people not everybody of course i don't think this is most people but there is enough <laughs> people who think that they know me personally mm. like we are we are close friends i'm like speaking directly to them when i'm talking and they feel um almost possessive or of entitled me entitled to your attention like <laughs> yeah 
and they get very offended when they don't get it. And there is a certain kind of component of just being a woman, too, that goes in there mm-hmm. with um, certain audience members as well that gets very scary. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. That's that's a huge concern, uh, especially with with myself having a teenage daughter uh, who wants to go into acting. So, yeah, that that's definitely an eye-opener. It's like, don't yeah. be afraid to put yourself out there, but be a little afraid. Be a little afraid. Cautious. <laughs> 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 Um, and then just even past that, like now, which I, I honestly didn't ever expect. I always thought I was going to have like my little niche. But um, I, I go out now and I get recognized like enough to where it's so unexpected that I don't know how to deal with it. Like um, a lot of people will see me out and about and they think that my personality when I'm like performing or hosting is how I am all the time. But I'm actually quite introverted. So it's been tough when I'm out in the real world because then all of a sudden I have to be on and I have to pose for pictures and I get really nervous because it's like, hey, surprise. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to be extroverted now. And I just can't just like have my head down and hope nobody looks at me like I didn't have the energy stores for this. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I'm actually really shy. Like I, I do this kind of stuff. And then, you know, I work all day and do all this. And I'm like, okay, go home close all the blinds, get under the covers, get the little chihuahua, hold her close, and don't talk to anybody for as long as I possibly can. (laughs) Sounds familiar. Totally relate. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. So now that now we've encouraged our audience to have a level of of, of caution, but uh, courage in this endeavor, what would you recommend to anyone just starting out in either VO or social media? Yeah. um, Treat it like a business. Definitely treat it like a business. I don't think enough this kind of, you know, piggybacks off of what we were talking uh, a little bit talking about prior. Nobody would say it's a good idea to just open a restaurant without learning how to cook or without learning how to run or manage a restaurant. So study, train and make a business and a a finance plan. It's one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is they treat being a voice actor, like they're playing the lottery and they just hope they get the winning combination. They just you know, just hope they get lucky. And you have to have a concrete plan. You have to realize when you say, I want to be a voice actor, you're saying, I want to start a business. And that means advertising and networking and doing a lot of stuff that is not voice acting. Almost all of it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people say the, find, the auditioning or finding the work is the job and the actual recording is just the cherry on top. The fun right. reward. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's a really good way to put it. Totally. Well, Tony, unfortunately, we're almost out of time. It's been great having you on the show. And before you go, where can folks find out more about you if they don't know you already as one of your 300,000 followers or how can they hire you? Uh, my website is tawnyvoice.com, and you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Tawny Plattis. If you just search my name, you'll find me. I'm like Tigger. I'm the only one, so I'm very easy to find. <laughs> it's a gold mine. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Tawny. Thank you so much for having me. This was this was so nice after listening to the show since, you know, 2017. <laughs> since its inception. Oh, my God. Yes. And following you, Sean, for years. This, this was so this was so nice. This was like the warmest, fuzziest part of my day today. Thank oh, you so much. Oh, that's awesome. Happy to provide. <laughs> How many times has this happened to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on. Not unlike this one. And this guy starts talking. Not unlike myself. Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking. Not unlike myself. And you think to yourself... 
Jeez, I could do that. Well, mister, well, missy, you just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist. Because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. All the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself. Well, not this one exactly. Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate and negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more. All without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead, take our jobs from us. We dare you. Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do. And you will, too, when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at globalvoiceacademy.com. Because you like to have fun. Studio Bricks designs and creates the highest-performing portable sound isolation booths. Their professionally perfected acoustics enhances your performance and takes your recording to their maximum quality from your home studio. Forget about managing noise conflicts with your neighbors and family. Pursue your passion for voiceover on your own time and on your own terms. And we're back. <laughs> so that was fantastic. Aside from Tawny telling you that you were basically one of her idols when she started, that was that was a little embarrassing for you. <laughs> <laughs> Mildly, no. I mean, I was thrilled, honestly, and 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 I still can't believe it. It tickles me pink to hear that story every time. And like I said, it's been really cool that we both kind of just been supporting each other from the sidelines and just be like, yeah, keep going. It was so great having you on, Tani. I consider you a friend as much as a colleague, and it, it was just wonderful to talk. So that wraps up this episode of the VO Meter. Measuring your voice over progress. Coming up, we're interviewing Chris Modis, CEO of Hindenburg, which is a DAW or digital audio workstation that I was highly impressed by when I got to try their Hindenburg narrator at uh, VO Atlanta a couple months ago. And this is a great tool for podcasters, audiobook narrators, e-learning narrators, video game actors, because it automates so many of the the post-processing, the the file naming and file organization things that can really add time and decrease the value of our performances. It takes care of so much for you. So I'm really excited and I can't wait for you guys to meet Chris. So what else do we got going on, Paul? Well, first of all, for, for those of you who are wondering why anyone would name a product Hindenburg, there's actually a really interesting story behind it. So definitely tune in to find out from Chris why they chose that name specifically for this product. And coming up after that, we're going to have a live announce, public address announce, redux uh, of a roundtable we did almost seven years ago now where we had some live announcers from around the country and me sort of reminiscing about when I used to be a live announcer. And because now I'm doing almost exclusively that, I thought it'd be nice to have some of those same people in and some new ones to talk about where live announce and public address announcing has gone and where it sits now in the Pantheon of voiceover. And that's awesome. Sorry, I'm just like, seven years. Holy crikey. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. That was one of our first first episodes. That's what I was going to say. It was during our first year. That's so cool. It was a technical mess, so hopefully it'll be better this time. <laughs> yep, yep. Got way better internet this time, so <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening, guys. You'll hear us in the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the VO Meter. To follow along, visit us at www.vometer.com. We'd also love to hear your comments or suggestions for the show. Or if you have a questionable gear purchase, tell us all about it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at the VO Meter. <laughs> <laughs>